And so we were like, what's fun that's not McDonald's, that's a drive-through? And we were like, Java knows. You know, we had sat down and talked and we were like, all right, you know, let's do it. You know, why not? We've learned enough about coffee. We, we both have the ambition. Um, we can figure out investors later. Like, let's just move and try. Uh, so that's what we did. And then, you know, six months after moving here, we had our first shop. So. Welcome to the Startup Heroes Podcast, a place to learn about business from local Chattanooga superheroes sharing their entrepreneurial journey, their superpowers, kryptonite, sidekicks, and villains. You'll learn about the principles and actions it took these founders to build their dreams and hopefully be inspired to do the same. Thank you for listening. All right, hello, welcome to the episode zero zero of Startup Heroes. My name is Chris Wood. I'm one of the owners of Be Caffeinated and Hive Think Media. And today we're doing an interview of our core members here to work out all of our kinks and figure out uh, how this works and then kind of introduce you to who we are. So uh, we're gonna go around and introduce ourselves. Nate, would you like to introduce yourself? I can go. All right, Dylan. Uh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm Dylan. I'm also a founder at Hive Think Media. I've known Chris and Doug for about five months now, right? <laughs> that long. Yeah. We've we've kind of like made a business together, which is kind of cool after five months of friendship <laughs> and knowing each other. So it's super fun. I'm currently in uh, working a uh, full-time job at uh, the Sasha Group, um, working with some um, like clients like the cannabis space and kind of just like home goods and like snack goods spaces. Um, I'm having a blast learning a lot and then hopefully bringing this to Hive Think so we can uh, also help out small businesses in our area. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, and then Nathan is my counterpart. Um, so... Him and I work together very well. We've started Scenic Trend, uh, Chattanooga's Arts Magazine. We started with uh, Leaker Magazine uh, with our friend Philip, who now is a, a big artist, um, and he does really great stuff. Um, but yeah, Leaker was a hip-hop magazine, and then we went to Scenic Trend, and then we met Chris and Doug, uh, worked at BCAF on the marketing side and some barista side, and then now we are here with Hive Think. Um. I'm Nathan Tucker, um, as Dylan just introduced me. Um, <laughs> yes, in my hands. Okay. Um, I'm Nathan Tucker, as Dylan just introduced me. Me and Dylan have been friends since like middle school, um, and since then we've started like several businesses together, including, as you mentioned, Leaker Magazine. And now we are joining up with Chris and Doug to start HiveThink, and we've been also working with Be Caffeinated. Um, yeah, we we love marketing and being able to help like small businesses in Chattanooga. So that's a big part of, part of why we are starting this is because we want to be able to take that to the next level. Uh, I am Douglas Lee. I'm also one of the co-founders of Be Caffeinated. Um, yeah, that's about it. What's your role at Be Caffeinated? I lift heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. keep uh, inventory stocked. I keep ordering uh, going. Uh, I try to fix things as best as I can and stuff like that. He's being humble. He basically makes sure that the business actually can work. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, we're just four guys here. And then one of the uh, other, the, not one of the other, but the other person in the room with us is Michael Lardizabal. Um, 
Michael, do you want to come over on this mic real quick and introduce yourself? Hey. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Good. What's up? I'm covering up my own face. My name is Michael Lardizabal. Last name kind of sounds like water bottle, but just it's Michael. <laughs> That'll work. I do lots of things. Art, video, photo, design, and I help with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, he's kind of being our uh, foray into the video world because none of us know how to do any of that, and he's done a lot of awesome stuff with it. Um, if any of you are familiar with Gary V, he's our D-Rock, so uh, we'll call him M-Rock or something. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to just kind of uh, talk to each other, kind of share our origin stories. Um, the format of Startup Heroes is going to be interviewing some small business uh, owners in Chattanooga, finding out uh, what their superpowers are, what their weaknesses are, or kryptonite, um, who their sidekicks are, and like kind of digging into their origin stories and finding out why they started their business, how it's going, stuff they've learned, um, and just going to be a really fun uh, insight into the Chattanooga small business scene, which for those of you that are familiar with it know that it's really big really fun and doing some really cool stuff. Um, so we're going to start with actually Nate and Dylan interviewing Doug and I about the origins of be caffeinated. And then we'll kind of switch after that into us interviewing them about scenic trend. So if y'all want to go ahead and take it off. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's start with you, Chris. So tell us a bit about yourself. Um, I know you're from Hattiesburg. Uh, so tell us about your upbringing and like how you first entered the business world. Yeah, so like you said, I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Doug was as well. Uh, for those of you, most of you that won't know, it's about an hour or so from the coast in the Gulf of Mexico in Mississippi. It's an hour and a half east of New Orleans, uh, which is kind of really fun. And then it's where Brett Favre lives and went to college, which is basically the only reason that really puts us on the map a lot of times. Um, but I lived there, I moved to Texas, lived there for six years, moved to Florida, lived there for five years, back to Hattiesburg and then Chattanooga. So when people ask where I'm from, I kind of say I'm just from the South because <laughs> I've lived in most of it. Um, I grew up, my, uh, mom has been a teacher and principal and professor. Uh, my dad's been in the economic development world. Um, so I've kind of, uh, been involved and exposed to a lot of like, teaching and business components. So I think that's kind of uh, transformed me into someone that loves both sides of that. I really enjoy um, how businesses work. I love games and I feel like business is just the real life game. It's the game. Um, I, yeah, went to college at University of Southern Mississippi, ended up with uh, an entrepreneurship degree, went to get my master's MBA. Um, and then yeah, Doug and I became roommates, but that's a later story. So, <laughs> um, Doug, can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and like how you and Chris first like became friends? Yeah. Um, so my upbringing, I was born and raised in South Mississippi, uh, technically born in Gulfport, raised in Hattiesburg, moved there like when I was six months old. Um, didn't really have a whole lot going on for me there. Uh, I think Chris and I knew each other like, in passing from college at the BSU, uh, actually became friends through another friend of ours, uh, because I was invited to a Bible study that Chris ran. And then, you know, Bible study turned into him asking me to be a roommate. And I said, yes. And then we lived together for a year and that's pretty much how it all started for us. Tell us about bro cones. <laughs> 
so bro cones was a very spur of the moment idea. Uh, my aunt and uncle had owned a snow cone stand in South Mississippi, uh, and they made pretty good money. And I, you know, when Chris and I were roommates, I very spontaneously, jokingly said, "Hey, we should totally open up a snow cone stand," as a joke. And Chris was like, no, let's do it. (laughs) So it never would have happened without him, you know, having the seriousness behind it. So as soon as he said, yeah, let's do it, you know, we bought a little trailer. We built built a mobile bar top on the trailer. Well, before that, remember, we rented a machine first to see if it would work. And then it went pretty well. And then we had our table set up. Yeah. And I forgot about that until yesterday, I think. Dylan and I were digging through our Brocone stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. We had the blue checkered tablecloth. Oh, God. We lined up the syrup bottles. <laughs> and we had that giant piece of wood that we painted Brocones <laughs> on. I, it, was, yep. it was the jankiest setup ever. Yep. And then we got it kind of going. And that's when the trailer happened. Yeah. So I guess once we went through that process and realized that we could actually make a little bit of money on it. That's when we invested into it. Cause I think, I think in total to get it up and running, we spent probably like, uh, three, $3,000 maybe, um, in total after all was said and done. Um, and it was a surprisingly decent little setup. It was pretty neat looking. It was a lot of fun, you know, wasn't, really anything to live on by any means but it was extra ramen noodle money um so had a lot of fun doing it i think we kept it going for like two summers and that was about it and uh the fun part of bro cones was we did alcoholic snow cones uh, so we he worked at a pub so we were able to kind of bounce off of their liquor license and use their alcohol so we didn't actually make the money from the alcohol they did um but our penultimate creation was the Pina de Hermano, which is pineapple brother in Spanish. And we, so my uncle's family owns and runs a produce company in Hattiesburg. So we got really cheap pineapples from him. And so on the truck trailer, we just had this giant knife and we'd take a pineapple and we'd cut it. And then we had a pineapple core. And so we would take out the pineapple core, put that in a cup, give it to the people to eat the pineapple. And then we'd use the pineapple as the snow cone cup. And so we'd have the snow cone and the syrup and then a shot of whatever liquor they wanted. So like vodka, tequila, and what rum. rum. Yeah. Um, and so it was just this crazy thing. We, you know, we started taking off when we left. So I feel like if we had stuck around, it could have really been a thing. But Yeah, I still um, get emails about running a cell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we haven't been there in three years. Yeah, like, it's, it's chill. great. And so our two biggest events, or I guess we did, yeah, two big ones. No, three were our bread and butter. We did a sorority event mm. where a sorority house rented us out to just have unlimited snow cones for their girls. Yep. We did a birthday, a couple of birthday parties that were fun. And we started making snowballs out of some of the ice. And that was a blast. And then we did one event. What was it called in front of the porter? That was the big. Um, oh, uh, the Hub City Bass. Uh, shoot i forget it's like it's like the hattiesburg equivalent of like uh what's the big chattanooga event like uh main by main by 30 or 30 by main or oh i know you're talking about uh, yeah it was just the basically downtown hattiesburg just had a bunch of stuff going on so we set up and just sold a lot of snow cones but 
yeah, we learned a lot of good stuff and a lot of stuff not to do. Mm-hmm. And we took a lot of those principles and kind of brought them to be happening. So. Was that the first like business venture you guys did separately? Um, or like, you mean together? Yeah, together or to kind of like rephrase that, like, did you guys have any like other entrepreneurial experience before bro cones? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was the first one together. Uh, as a kid, my parents always told me that I was either going to be a lawyer because I love to argue or an entrepreneur because I tend to have an issue with authority. Um, they were I, spot on. Yeah, so I was the kid on the side of the road that would sell lemonade. I remember I tried making uh, homemade candy one time. I tried copying like Snickers and all those. I would I made candy bars and sold them on the side of the road. They were terrible, but people you still made bought them. candy bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I was fascinating. I would take you know all the general ingredients, melt them down, mix them together, and I sold candy bars on the side <laughs> of the road. Uh, That's awesome. Is that so, safe? Like, no. <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, we do not condone this at all. <laughs> yeah, for for all I know, like I poisoned someone. Uh, but yeah, you know. Candy bars, lemonade, uh, I would always try and uh, mow people's yards. I remember one of the things that made me really mad about that was one of my neighbors uh, told me that they would pay me to pick up pine cones in their yard, and I spent like two hours doing it, and then they gave me a dollar. Um, <laughs> that made me angry. That's 50 uh, cents an hour. <laughs> freaking Miss Brown, I really dislike you. Calling you out, Miss Brown. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, ever since then, I kind of knew that I wanted to be my own boss. And it wasn't until years later that, you know, things actually came to fruition. So I also had my own experiences. Um, they were all failures. Uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible failures. Um, as a kid, I didn't do as much of the actual entrepreneurial stuff that Doug did. But um, I had this recurring theme that I didn't realize until later in video games where I loved games that had some sort of economy system and i thought it was normal and then i realized that none of my other friends really played these games and i would like like port royale 2 it's like this game where you can buy like pirate ships or galleons or whatever and you it's basically just the gulf of mexico and you go from town to town and you buy corn for cheap and you go to another port and sell it for a lot And I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And then literally a couple years ago, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've always loved business. I just didn't know what I was actually enjoying about the game. And so uh, when I was in high school, I really enjoyed we had this uh, snack bar that one of the classes ran. And when it was our turn to run it, I really, really liked that. And then we got to when I got to college, I had a couple ventures, and one of them was made uh, by Mississippi. And I kind of took the idea. I bought the idea from one of my friends because I thought it was amazing and fascinating. And he'd kind of built up a little bit of a presence, and so I paid him money and took it over. And basically, the concept was a subscription box that had Mississippi products in it. I focused on Hattiesburg, and it was an awesome idea. I did it pretty well, but what I learned from that is don't buy your product before you have people that want to buy it. (laughs) So I still, to this day, in my closet, have like 40 Mississippi candles (laughs) 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 because I wanted to buy. So I started with like, like, I don't know, two grand, and I spent like all of it buying candles and popcorn and all this stuff. 
And I didn't really make my money back, but I learned a lot of lessons from that drastic, drastic failure. So, and then we did bro codes. And it was not, not as much of a failure. <laughs> so, yeah. So how does bro cones lead to, first of all, like you guys gained like the coffee industry um, and your like first experiences with that. And then, then taking you like all the way to Chattanooga from Mississippi to start your own coffee business here. What's the story of that? Um, so coffee was never in our mind when we started bro cones at first. I think at the time Chris was either, I was at McDonald's. Yeah. You were at McDonald's with an MBA (laughs) (laughs) and not too long after, I think he started, uh, working at a place called Java Moses, a manager. No, no, no. So here's what happened, Doug. Remember (laughs) I was at McDonald's and I overheard my manager say that 80% of their sales was through the drive-thru. Yep. We were like, what? And so we were like, what's fun that's not McDonald's, that's a drive-thru. And we were like, Java Mo's. Yeah. And then that's when we got jobs there. Yeah. So so we both got jobs. He, he had his job before I did. Uh, it took me a little while to kind of get into a position where I could actually, you know, start working there. Um, Chris had recently gotten married. Um, and then... You know, they were talking about wanting to move. They picked Chattanooga because Chris's family was here and it's a great city and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I really didn't like Mississippi, so I needed a way out. And, you know, we had sat down and talked and we were like, all right, you know, let's do it. You know, why not? We've learned enough about coffee. We we both have the ambition. Um, we can figure out investors later. Like, let's just move and try. Um so that's what we did. And then, you know, six months after moving here, we had our first shop. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty insane looking back on it. Um, more so for Doug, because I had a safety net. I had my parents here. Doug was like, I'm going all in. <laughs> yep. Um, and it was it's really, really cool to think about. And so when we when we moved here, Doug got a job at Longhorns. Longhorns. I got a job. I was surfing around, ended up getting temp to perm stuff from Robert Half, worked at Covenant Solutions for a couple months, uh, was told that there wasn't a spot for me anymore the week before Christmas, which was, at the time, I was not happy, but looking back was the best thing that could have happened because I was told on that Friday that I wouldn't have a job anymore. The Monday before that, Jasmine had got her job offer at like, an accounting for an accounting job that was making more than I was making. So we were good in that regard. And then we got to go and spend two weeks in Mississippi before all of that started. So then I spent the next like five to seven months just like focusing on be caffeinated. I'm being really transparent. It was the worst five to seven months of my life. I was like, I was an anxious wreck. I was an insomniac. I could, I was just stressed all the time. I was like, we got to get this going, but I don't know what I'm doing. And, but, it eventually worked out. Um, we got really lucky in our investors. Um, we got the guy that owns Javamos to be one of our investors because we basically were like, hey, man, like this is what we want to do. Will you help us? And he was like, yeah. I mean, he was basically like, because it's you guys, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the way it was worded made it seem like anyone else that asked him, it would have been a no uh, because I think I think he saw that we were – you know, two pretty well-rounded guys with level heads and that, you know, weren't really joking around all that much. Yeah. And then, so, and then we were able to 
uh, get some funding from some of our family. Um, and that was, that's something we've been really grateful for that not only that that ability is there, but that we, they trust us <laughs> enough to give us some money. And so we use that really limited uh, funding to go into this little dinky, used to be a drive through hamburger store shack in the middle of a parking lot in Red Bank, uh, Tennessee, which is an enclave surrounded by Chattanooga. And we were convinced that our main market would be people driving to work. And then little did we know that Red Bank, the neighborhood, would just completely fall in love with us and us with them. And our, I mean, day one, we did, we did a two-day soft opening, and then day one we had regulars already. It was insane. And it's been amazing ever since. And, yeah, coffee is not – we didn't do it because we love coffee. We did it because we saw the potential for it. And now we're, we've fallen – I think now, speaking for myself, I think also for Doug, we really love coffee now. Um, but it was always business first, and then coffee is our medium. And now we're building this really cool thing that kind of um, happiness is our priority. We want our people to be happy. We want to be happy. Uh, we kind of look at it as the golden rule of we want it to be a place where we would want to work. Um, and I think it's really, really succeeding so far. So, yeah. So the big running theme that I've noticed with you guys, um, with all these ventures, and also like with your like relationship with me and Dylan, is spontaneity. You guys, <laughs> you you're very like unafraid of just kind of going like, what well, if we did this, and then actually doing it. Like Dylan said, like we haven't known you guys for maybe like six like or seven months, and it's entirely just like on a whim you like decide to speak with us about like being your marketing guys at so caffeinated. I'm glad that's what we put off. But that is that could not be farther from the truth. It's sponsor. It's disguised it's, as spontaneity. It's calculated. It's very calculated. <laughs> yeah. I would. I. I think the correct verbiage would be more opportunity driven, um, and potential driven. And but if you guys knew how much we've thought about stuff, and like Jasmine, which is my wife, we like. <laughs> we had like 18 hours in the car over the last week. And I mean, we're just constantly bouncing ideas off each other. We go through these what if scenarios. We're listening to Gary V podcasts and stuff. Um, so a lot of the decisions that seem kind of like effortless or spontaneous are actually with like hours and hours of consideration and uh, risk assessment. And I mean, when we started the Red Bank shop, we were with Spencer, who's our equipment guy. And we were like really torn up about what kind of ice cube machine we should get. <laughs> and he was like, if you guys are putting this much thought into the type of cube that's coming out of your machine, I think you guys will be fine. Cause we we're like, do we want quarter cube, half cube or full cube? And we we're like, or well, if we dice. do, or chip dice, yeah. we we're like, if we do chip dice and quarter cube, that's really good for like frappes and stuff, but it won't keep the, the drinks cold long. If we do full cube, it'll be really hard to blend, but it'll keep the drink cold longer. So we landed on half cube. Yep. <laughs> we're like, oh, we're going to compromise. But like, we had literal hour conversations about what kind of ice cube do we want? Um, so, but we definitely give off a spontaneous vibe, um, which I think is just more us trying to not seem psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you do need to be spontaneous, though, because, yeah. like, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't take risks uh, and you choose the, the safe route, you very well could end up just like, you know, 20 years down the road unhappy with the job and looking back 
you know, you regret not taking the risk. Um, I, I think there was a, I, I forget who said it. He said something along the lines of, I'd rather be sleeping on my friend's futon at 40 years old rather than uh, not taking the risk of doing something. And uh, no, I had that wrong. <laughs> he would rather be sleeping on a friend's futon because his business failed than sleeping in like a king size bed in a luxury apartment or something because he took a safe job. Yep. Um, because the potential of taking the risk is far higher than taking the safe route. You know, a lot of people, their jobs have ceilings. Uh, we don't. You know, we can keep going. As long as we keep making good decisions, we have no ceiling. So, And the great thing is, even if we make bad decisions, we've set up these systems where it's okay. Um, and I think Doug and I both are really firm believers in intuition and, like, gut feelings. Is that fair for you? Yeah. Um, I think we tend to not use this word, but uh, we go off of vibes, mm -hmm. uh, especially for, like, people we hire. Um, and so I think, you know, the Gary V. Simon Sinek thing is, like, it's risk with um, – it's calculated risk or, uh, you know, using all of the facts that you have to do it. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like if there's a split-second decision, you just go with what feels right. Um, and – the philosophy that I really enjoy and my wife and I talk about all the time is playing the table. Um, and so when you're in a poker game, uh, you know, there's all these possibilities and variables. And so if there's cards in front of you and you make a certain decision and it turns out it was wrong, like you look back and say, Oh, I wish I'd done that. But like you were just playing the table, you were doing the best decision that you could at the time with the information present. And so that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of stuff. Cause I would, I would, I was looking back and be like, man, if only I'd known, that Dogecoin was going to take off when it did, you know, but you know, I was playing the table. I was with as much information as I had at the moment. I made the best decision I could. And I just have to live with knowing that past Christopher was doing the best he could and respect that future Christopher is going to do the same. And I think, uh, kind of leaning into that is, has helped, uh, help at least me a lot. Um, so. Yeah. I've looked back on a lot of my past self decisions and, some of them I look back and I say, man, you're stupid. Um, <laughs> and, you know, now, I mean, when you look back at yourself and you think that, that's that's growth. Like, you know, if you look back at yourself and you cringe and you get upset at yourself or anything like that, it means you're a new person and you've been making better decisions. Uh, so even though, yeah, it sucks looking back at yourself, you know, it, you've grown as a person. You've gotten better at pretty much everything you've done. And as of right now, like I have seen where we've both taken this and I would, I, I wouldn't have imagined it. So, uh, I think we're in a pretty good position. So it's been two years. Can't wait for two more. Yep. So based on all of that, what would you guys say is your superpower as startup heroes? Like our personal one or the business superpower, I guess. Um, Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Okay. Let's do business superpower. I, I like that. Yeah. Start with business and then maybe break into personal too. Yes. Let's do it. That's good. Doug, what's our business's superpower? Dylan, you should ask it. Business's superpower. Mm. Laser vision. Uh, that's no, a kidding. tough one. Uh, shoot. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, if you, if you look at be caffeinated, from like, you know, above or whatever, and you just see the overall impact, you know, 
we have great customers and we have great customers because we make them happy. Like at the end of the day, that's our goal is, you know, one thing I was trained as a server is my job before those people walk out the door is to make sure that they're happy. And I think that's what we do as a company is, you know, we try our absolute best to make sure that they get, you know, the drink they want, the drink they love, and they drive away from that, that window happy. Um, so I think we just brighten everyone's day as soon as they get that cup of coffee. So, yeah, our slogan is be happy, be caffeinated. So I think that's definitely on point. Um, I think we've also found a way to, uh, what was, what was your, your slogan you came up with that was amazing that we did in the, uh, Oh, the, uh, uh, cafe, cafe quality, quality drive through convenience yeah. or something. Yeah, that's it. So cafe quality drive through convenience. That's kind of, that's actually our business model. And then be happy, be caffeinated is our stance on interactions with customers. So I think our superpower is like taking really good coffee and giving it to people really quickly. And the entire experience for them is a smiling, happy barista. Cause like, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely been to a Starbucks where I know the person behind the counter wishes they were anywhere but there. And that sucks. And we don't want that for our people. We want them to be happy. And that just passes on to the customer. So, yeah, yep. that's our business superpower. So what's the kryptonite of be caffeinated? Money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. If, if you look at it as a business standpoint, yeah. Uh, you know, you, we can only do so much right now. Um, other than that, I can't. It'll take me a second to think of an actual kryptonite. I, I think in the context of coffee, our perceived kryptonite would be that we don't do the fancy stuff. We don't do latte art. Yeah. We don't hand tamp everyone. Um, and so that's, I think, what a lot of people would say ours is. But I don't actually see that as kryptonite. I see that as an intentional decision. Um, so that's kind of like the fake kryptonite that we let people try and throw at us. And I think our real kryptonite would be um yeah probably just a line of credit mm -hmm. <laughs> a line of credit would be phenomenal we our, our business is completely cash flow so if if we had to close for two weeks things would not be good um yeah that's, that's probably our kryptonite at this point we're working on it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah but uh opening stuff is a lot of money so. yeah so um do you do you ever see do you guys ever see yourselves kind of opening like a be caffeinated that follows a strict cafe model under the right circumstances. Sure. Uh, like chat state technically. Yeah. Do you mean like with the fancy stuff? Yeah. Like, ah. like mugs, latte art, um, no, like drive through just cafe. I, I would say still under the right circumstances. Uh, it was one thing, you know, when we looked at that, uh, building, um, with those doctors not too long ago, one of the things that I said, uh, the building was so large and you don't need that much space. I, I was like, okay, you know, we can do the cafe. We can do all that kind of stuff. And we still have all this extra space. Start another business inside of it, you know, make our own syrups, make our own pastries, like whatever. Um, so if the cafe had the potential to incorporate other things into it, I'd be more than happy to do it because uh, then it makes it well worth it. Um, otherwise, you know, 
cafes and things like that are typically, uh, you know, low traffic and they cater to a specific demographic a lot of times. And that alone limits you. Um, and I don't like limits. So I think he just touched on one of our other superpowers, which might be technically more personal ones than business ones, but might not. We're always looking for a way to vertically integrate. <laughs> um, like we got really, really lucky and were able to open a roasting company with um, someone that we'd already been working with. And so it went from us and it wasn't begrudgingly like we were very happy to work with Mad Priest and Velo and the people we were working with. But it went from us paying them money every week to basically paying ourselves every week to, for the coffee. And then Doug has started a distribution company where he's become a wholesale distributor for syrups and cups and stuff, um, which means we get it cheaper and now we can also sell it to other people. Um, and so we're in like the marketing hive think that has spun out is literally also a vertical integration of now instead of me paying someone to do our marketing, we're making money on the marketing. So we're just constantly looking for ways to do that. And our North Shore shop was actually originally intended as a roaster with a coffee shop attached to it. It kind of feels like it's a drive through coffee shop with a roaster in it. But like we, we went into it as how can we subsidize the cost of a roaster? Um, so that's kind of our mindset is always, I mean, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's business minded. And so we're always looking for how can we be efficient? How can we have the highest quality possible and how can we do what we want to do and make money at the same time? So. Fantastic. We good. I'd say so. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. Great responses. This podcast brought to you by Hive Think Media. If you like this podcast and you want to stay in the know of what's going on with us, follow us at Hive Think Media on Instagram or check us out at hivethinkmedia.com. Thank you for listening.